Good morning. Look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Now, mean it this time. Don't lie to them like you did last week. Come on, look at them and say, it's good to see you. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. My name's Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. And what that means is every single week, I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Not, not because I'm some great communicator or it's even my story. But I believe this story is a story about Jesus. And Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. So if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? You don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is this story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. <clears throat> we wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And what that means is you're going to need a Bible to follow along. And so if you forgot your Bible... One of our ushers will help you out. You can just slip up your hand. They'll get one to you. And then if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We pray that you read it every single day because every time you do, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Three of you believe that? Every time you read the Bible, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? <clears throat> hey, turn in your Bible to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter number 8. We've been in this series for, for many weeks now, and we're going to continue on through we're going to be in in chapter 8 starting in verse 39 if you're new to the bible you can start in the right and turn left you'll find it much faster <clears throat> or you can find some guys names two-thirds of the way through matt mark luke john uh, but before we uh before we read our text today um i want to take a moment and um uh, honor and remember by taking uh just a few moments in a moment of silence to uh, remember those who uh, gave their lives and lost their lives in Afghanistan this past week. And I, I think, <clears throat> as Pastor Joe talked about last week, sometimes we can um, come into our, uh, our bubbles of our religious uh, ceremonies and uh, institutions, and we can sometimes for get about what's going on in the outside world and uh, we're not in a vacuum uh, we are part of a society and a culture and we live in uh, a nation that is uh, confused and grieving and uh, we need to have honest conversations with our families with our children and teach them and admonish them and uh, honoring God and loving their neighbor and also giving honor where honor is due. And so will you, uh, will you join me as we take uh, a couple moments in, uh, in silence? And then I want to pray uh, for our, uh, our time and, and our country. Uh, join me in a moment of silence. God in heaven, you are not absent. You are in the mix. You're right here, right now with us. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is comforting and guiding. I ask you to comfort these families who have lost loved ones, service men and women who have given their lives to help others, to rescue others. 
we ask for your hand to be with those still on the front lines. Those who are risking their lives for the sake of others. Your word says that no greater love do we know than someone who would lay their lives down for a friend. How much more for a stranger? Jesus, we ask that you would help us to grieve and honor and be thankful. Let us repent of our entitlement and our uh, our lack of thanksgiving and gratefulness for the society and culture and country that we live in. Let us give honor where honor is due. Let us speak the truth in love. Let us hold leaders accountable. Let us forgive. Let us mourn with hope that if you have been raised, then we too will be raised. Jesus, we ask for your grace today. Let everything we say and everything we do bring glory to you and good to this valley. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. Hey, uh, open to John chapter 8. And uh, if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm, uh, I'm thankful to be back this week as I've been uh, battling uh, uh, this sickness that so many of us have, have faced. And I'm thankful uh, to be uh, uh, well now, close to better. And, and so uh, bear with me through uh, the sermon as I'm still gaining my, uh, my wind. Uh, and I already preached one time today, so uh, cover your prayers. Um, uh, but I'm thankful to be back. I'm thankful for your prayer. Thankful for Pastor Joe and Pastor Tyler for holding down things uh, as uh, we were battling this sickness. So uh, thankful. Aren't you thankful for Pastor Joe and Pastor Tyler and all the volunteers and people major? <clears throat> hey, let's let's look at verse. Uh, 39 and um, and ask the Lord to help us with uh, with our topic today. Uh, verse 39 says, They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham uh, did. Uh, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. <clears throat> you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born in sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I come from God and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he who sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father the devil, and you will do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Notice what four, verse 47 says. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is you are not of God. God. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are and who you are to us. I ask that you would maximize your word. You would help us today and let everything we say 
and everything we do bring glory to you and good to this valley. And everyone said, Amen. I, I had some people actually own this uh, in first service. So I want to see uh, where you guys are at with this. How many of you, when you set the clock in your vehicle, you tend to put that clock about five minutes ahead of the actual time? Come on, just own that. Man, I don't know how many of us, like it's overwhelming majority of us lie to ourselves. Have you noticed this? And and I'm trying to, I was thinking about this uh, uh, today when thinking about our topic. I mean, how many of us put the dial just so slightly ahead knowing that we have lied to ourselves in order that we might uh, show up thinking we're late and be pleasantly surprised that we're on, on time or early. And, 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 knowing, and, and then here's the danger of that. Like what happens when the battery dies in your vehicle and you have to restart it and now it's like 10 minutes and you don't know which way. It's going to, how many of you have had that happen before? Where it's like, wait a second, I set this five minutes ahead. Why am I 13 minutes off the time or then when you get to that uh spring forward or fall back daylight savings time do you do you, how many of you remember when you actually had to touch a clock right and you actually had to set it your so some of you are like i don't what are you talking about you you're ancient right uh so how many of you have set a clock before right like and then how many of you like think it's it's crazy now all the social media posts that go around usually around uh daylight savings times where it's spring forward or fall back and you're like don't do anything right like people are, are like don't forget to set your clock and you're like who does that you know uh because there's this thing and remember uh I know it's crazy to think about what it was like before this, but your phone is connected to these things in the outer, the outer world, the satellites that that your phone is always set. Everybody there, you know how that works, isn't that great? Right, but some of us actually had to uh, change the dial, and now it's like I, I get worried that people are actually going to mess with their phone and uh, and spring forward or fall. But like, don't don't do nothing. Your phone will wake you up, right, and, and tell you what time it is. Or you guys actually still use regular clocks, or uh, so? Yeah, yeah. You just dated yourself. Uh, anyways, uh, but I, I was thinking about like. Think about like just trying to figure out what time it is and, and what clock you should use. I remember before our phones and that time, like to know what time it is, how many remember you'd turn on the TV to the weather channel? Remember? Just trying to check, okay, what's the, wherever time zone you're in, you just turn on the weather channel and there would be the, the time and that, that would set you. Because ultimately what you're doing is you're looking for some standard outside of yourself that helps you calibrate what is actually true. What time it actually is. Now think about the implications of that, of trying to figure out who decides what time it is. And and, and, and you're even working off this kind of uh, ongoing assumption that you're working from the same standard outside of yourself. If you say, hey, meet me for coffee at 10 o'clock, we assume that uh, we are working from the same standard and we have these devices that are going to tell us. And we're usually 
usually going to show up within 10 minutes, either forward or back of that, because no one shows up on time for coffee anyways, right? No. Uh, uh, ultimately, you're asking the question, who decides? How do I know what's true? How do I calibrate? And all the more does the conversation become convoluted when I'm trying to figure out just what time it is on my dash of my vehicle or my phone or deciding to spring forward or fall back? What is actually true see this is where we find ourselves in this particular passage is jesus is having a conversation about truth what is truth and who decides and the author is going to take us on this journey where jesus uh, is in these religious settings and he's beginning to say things that are rubbing against the very nature of what they think is actually True. I mean, he's saying things like, I am the bread of life. That if, that if you eat of my life, you'll never be hungry again. And maybe at first you go, man, are you, do you take the Bible literally? Well, well, is it literally true that Jesus satisfies the hunger of our souls? Yes. Is he actually saying to eat of his flesh? No. But yet something can be very literal and it can also have a much deeper meaning than at first glance because the reality is is we we say things like that all the time like I, I feel lost or lonely or I feel like I'm needing something I'm missing something and Jesus starts into the conversation that we all know is universally true that we all have hungers we all have wants we all have thirsts and he says this if you drink of the water that I give you'll never be thirsty again and there's something in that 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 although is a metaphor that all although seems as though it's ethereal seems to hit in such a way that makes you go yeah there are things in me there are places and spaces in my life that I feel lonely or thirsty in and he's saying that he is the actual one who feels that and yet there's these conversations that are going on around the person of Jesus. There's always conversations going around the person of Jesus. The words of Jesus have been going viral for thousands of years and people have a lot to say about what he actually says. And it's what he says that actually is the thing that divides and begins to segment whether or not we are going to follow him, trust him, actually be filled and satisfied by him. It's his words that actually are the divider. See, all these people begin to come around Jesus and begin to say, hey, who, who are you to decide who's truthful, who's not, who's in, who's out? And Jesus says this, he says that the truth will set you free makes this bold claim and they're wait wait a second we're, we're not bound we're not bound we've always been free and yet I find it interesting in this uh, this chapter in, in John chapter 8 that they're willing to actually deny their history. They're, they're actually at a festival where they're celebrating the exodus, which is their freedom from slavery. And yet they say to Jesus, we've never been slaves. We've always been 
free. They're willing to lie to themselves. They're willing to set the dial a little different than what is actually true. They're actually willing to deceive themselves. And yet Jesus continues the conversation and, and says this, yeah, you, you've been bound and now you've deceived yourself. And so they begin to, to uh, qualify themselves and try to disqualify Jesus and they lean in to credentials they begin to say things like this they say we're of Abraham we're of the original promise Abraham is our father and that makes God our father and so what they essentially do is they play the God card you ever had anybody play the God card with you Right, like that was always dangerous in youth group when when, when uh, one uh, teenager comes up to the other and is like, "God told me we're getting married." Like, God did not tell me that, right? Like, uh, you someone like try to end the conversation. Well, God told me or God said this is essentially what they're doing they're actually playing the God card with God himself God in the flesh they're actually saying no 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 we're of Abraham we're playing the God card what we say is more elevated more qualified more of an expertise than yours you're like oh really well let's qualify that let's test that And so Jesus begins to to say to them, no, 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 if you were of Abraham and of God, then truthfulness would be at the core of your being. But no, 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 actually what is at your core is you're following your father, the devil. And he says that actually he is the father of all lies. And he makes this binary thing. And and so if you're new here, welcome to church. You're either of God or the devil. You're welcome, right? Like, man, what a a Sunday to be here, right? Uh, There's there's only two, two camps here. And ultimately what he takes us to, the litmus test, is truthfulness. Will we follow the truth, stand on the truth, and ultimately follow the truth? Jesus will make the claim. He will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. The author John is actually starting this conversation with us here, but he's going to take us on a journey where ultimately we're going to find ourselves where Jesus is on trial And he's taken in the night and he's tried before the Sanhedrin, which was the religious circle of the Jews. And yet the Jews do not want uh, Jesus's blood on their hands. So they try to get the Romans to do it. And if you look at the story, they keep going back and forth on who's actually going to condemn this innocent man. But what we find ourselves in John is Jesus is going to be before Pilate, the, the, the puppet governor of Caesar, of the Romans. Romans and Pilate is going to stand there and he's actually going to ask him, aren't you going to plead your case? I mean, if you've ever stood in front of someone who actually gets to decide your judgment, I know that some of us have, have riddled past like you're in good company. Someone, amen. If you've ever stood in front of somebody and they get to decide your judgment, what you want to do is plead your case or present your truth and hope that they come out with a just 
judgment. And yet Pilate is standing before Jesus and he asks Jesus, aren't you going to beg for your life? And he says, I'm not going to beg for my life. You don't take my life. I actually freely give it. And then Pilate's going to ask him, say, hey, they're accusing you of being a king. Is that true? And he says, listen, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, a legion of angels would come and you would not be able to bound me or try me. But I'm giving myself over to you. And then Jesus makes this claim. He goes, he goes ultimately, what I'm saying Your perspective of truth, your perspective of reality is flawed. I am truth. And Pilate is going to wrestle with this question. This government official, this top dog in the Roman society who actually has the the power and authority to condemn and ultimately crucify Jesus, he says these words that John will write at, at his trial. Pilate will ask the question, what is truth. What is truth? See, the reality is, is no matter if you're the lowest rung of society or you're a top government official, you will have to wrestle with what is the nature of truth. What is truth? Who is truth? And then how do I know? And as a society, we we have to be honest that we tend to lie to ourselves. We tend to set the clock forward. We, we tend to deceive ourselves. And one of the worst ways that we can lie is to lie to ourselves. Self-deception is one of the worst kinds of deceptions, although oftentimes it is the thing that comforts us the most, right? We tend to take and lie and deceive ourselves in order to comfort ourselves. Because let's be honest, truth is something that begins to pierce and divide and begin. As the the scriptures say that God's word is sharp and quick and powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces and divides and goes to the very asunders of the soul and spirit. It actually begins to help us divide and see what's actually true. Ultimately, Jesus will say this, that if you are of me, then you are of truth. If you follow the devil, then out of his character is lying. Then so too will be your story. But how do I know what's true? How do I know what's right? How do I know how to divide? I mean, no one's asking those questions these days, right? No one's asking what's true and who do I believe and what do I know? Because we all have our own perspectives. We all have a perspective, just like Pilate has a perspective of who Jesus is and what ultimately is reality to him. And ultimately, we have the same same problem is we all have a limited perspective. Or in other words, there's more to the story than we are aware of. I mean, how many of you believe that you know everything? I'll wait. (laughs) How many of you are convinced that you do not know everything? 
this is good for us, friends. This is healthy, right? Because we don't know all there is to know. There's more to this story. And yet what's happening in this story is people are leaning into credentials and positions and they're deciding that because they have an elevated place to sit, then somehow they know more than others. They, 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 they feel as though because they're the pastor, they know everything, right? I, I, I mean, I've found myself in these same predicaments. I mean, it was like a, maybe a, a year or so ago. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, it was my day off and, and uh, I was driving down 246 and, and I saw a police officer who had pulled over this family and the, this family was at, like out on uh, industrial way just you know kind of off to the side of the road and their and their car was being impounded and and I was like man oh bummer and and, and I drive to the store and come back and somehow I know that whatever's happening on industrial way is going to find its way over here to the church and I'm going to have to help with whatever that situation is. And, and, and there it is. I, I, I come back and, uh, and this family is now on the church campus. And, and I'm just like, man, are you kidding me? And, and, and let me tell you that, that in that moment, I was so frustrated. And so I, I called my people. You got people, <laughs> you know what I mean? You ever get so indignant with the world around you? You're like, I'm gonna just hold on a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna call somebody, right? Like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go handle this, right? And 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 I'll be honest, I was just frustrated for the injustice that has happened. This family on the side of the road now they're stranded, and I'm having to deal with this on my day off, you know, because that's what I was really upset about, right? glad I could get that off my chest uh, but I was, was frustrated and and, and I and I call I, I call another officer in the in the church I go hey man come on what, what's this guy doing uh, uh, he's left this family stranded and they they tell me it's just because of paperwork they didn't have their registration and he's come on man couldn't he just give them a ticket and, and just let them be on their way he's got to impound their vehicle and now they're stranded now I'm having to, you know I thought we were on the same team I thought we were trying to help now I'm having to deal with this and they don't have a ride. Uh, and, and I just can't believe this. And, and the guy's like, Come, calm down, Pastor Sam, right? Uh, I, I'm sure they're, you know, I, I'll call him. I'll tell you, yeah, I'd like to talk to him. And, and uh, I can tell you it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And, uh, and yet... <clears throat> I'm indignant about my perspective. I'm indignant because there's a, an element of truth here, but I don't know the whole story. I get a call back about 10 minutes later after my friend talks to the officer who was involved, and he, he calls me back and says, Pastor Sam, and I quote, there's more to the story. Right? How many of you have ever been in a moment where you were absolutely convinced that your truth was the truth, but yet you had just set the clock about five minutes in front? And, and you were convinced that your perspective was the only perspective, maybe because of your title, maybe because of your education, maybe because of the position you hold, maybe because you feel inconvenienced and you just want to go back to normal. And so you'll lie to yourself and convince yourself that this is truth when there's always more to the story. And yet 
the officer so graciously who doesn't have to explain himself to anybody comes and stands in my driveway with me, with me and says, Pastor Sam, you don't realize I, I wanted to give them a break. But what you don't understand is that they have three small children in a single cab truck with a bench seat with no car seats. And what you don't realize is that, uh, that although, uh, yeah, it seems as though I've stranded them. I gave them every opportunity. Can you call somebody? Can they bring car seats? Can you get someone to come pick up your children? Can, can you do anything so I don't have to leave you stranded here? But what I cannot do is allow you to get back in this truck with three small children with no car seats and let you drive down the highway where the statistics of a car accident are greater than we would ever want to realize that we risk every single time we get behind the wheel because the reality is is there's more to the story amen and although I'm frustrated although uh, I, 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 I'm inconvenienced with this officer what he's trying to do is righteous what he's trying to do is right and yet, from my limited perspective, I judge from the outside and think I know more about the story than I actually do. See, that's the kind of place we're in, is that we're in a place where we're trying to figure out what's truth, who's saying truthful things, and how do I know, and how do I become disciplined? Can I tell you that the first thing that we have to do as believers, the first thing that we have to do as Christians is admit that our perspective is limited and we do not know everything. Someone say amen to that. If we could just start there, what would that be like when we're in our conversations? See, it was interesting that, that on that particular day, I just started reading a book called uh, Talking with Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, where he investigates how uh, we think about the people that we meet. And ultimately, he, he starts from a conversation of traffic stops and police officers' interactions with strangers who have so many. They have such a difficult job. And I'm so thankful for those who serve, even in the room with us today. And I'm so thankful for what you do. The reality is, is any of us in any type of position from the top to the bottom have to realize that we don't know everything there is to know about the person next to us, that we do not know. In, in this book, Talking with Strangers, there's this, this experiment, and I've talked about this before, where, where ultimately they take individuals and they put them in a room and, and, and they, they put a, a sheet in front of them that have different words and uh, they actually have letters that they then fill in the rest of the letters and make words and so for instance the, on a, a sheet it may say t-o-u space space and so the individual is to as quickly as possible fill in as many words as they can and so say maybe someone gets to this t-o-u and they write c-h and they write touch and or maybe another person writes g-h and they write tough and, and, and so then they fill this out and they uh, remove uh, the papers from the room and they ask them, hey, what does, what does this say about you? Does this say, when you wrote touch, what did it say about, and they say nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Or maybe they say to someone who, hey, you wrote tough. What does this say about you? And they say, absolutely, it's just, I was just as quickly as possible trying to write down as many words. It means absolutely nothing. Now, here's what they would do is about five minutes later, they'd come back in the room with someone else's paper who did the exact same experiment. And they would say to them, 
This person wrote touch. What does this say about them? And they're saying, well, clearly they are lonely. <laughs> clearly they uh, need to be touched. <laughs> Uh, or, or maybe someone wrote tough and they go, well, what does this say? Well, clearly they're dealing with their own masculinity and they need to uh, project uh, strength at all times that they would need to write tough on the paper. Now, what they don't realize is that they've been caught in a contradiction. This, uh, this illusion of what uh, this scientist, uh, Pronin, the psychologist, calls the illusion of symmetric insight. The conviction that we know others better than they know us and that we may have insights about them uh, that lack, vice versa, leads us to uh, talk when we would do well to listen, to uh, be less patient than we ought to uh, when we express our convictions of, uh, about others. Or in other words, this idea that we know others better than they know themselves, and it's not true vice versa. Are you with me? The idea that I can know someone else's story, know what's going on with them, but they know nothing about me. This contradiction of <clears throat> the illusion of, of asymmetrical insight, which is I know you better than you know you and how much more now do we deal with with social media accounts and and Facebook walls and and uh, and, and Instagram and highlight reels that quickly we make judgments about others thinking we know more to the story and yet we've been lazy in our pursuit and yet we don't know what is true north. We don't know what the clock is actually set on. And yet we find ourselves in a predicament these days where people lean into, just like here, into their credentials, into their expertise, into who they are as uh, individuals with titles and letters behind them. So quickly they go, hey, we're of Abraham, who are you? Now, here becomes the problem is as believers, we have a responsibility to begin to wade in to the binary claims of what is true and what is a lie. Are you with me? Three of you. We have a responsibility as believers to be people of truth. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. And anything else is contributing to the father of lies, who decides to deceive people, to manipulate people, who oftentimes will help you manipulate and deceive yourselves for your own comfort, and yet we will avoid truthful things because truthful things are oftentimes difficult things. Someone say amen, amen. to that. I talked a couple weeks ago about this, the idea of the cave of allegory. Uh, in general psychology, you study the cave of allegory, which is ultimately a, a Plato writing about a conversation that Socrates has. I, I, I'm not sure um, 
what even to do with that. But that's how the cave of allegory comes about. And yet we have movies like The Matrix, Inception, The Tenet, who is oftentimes asking us about what is reality, what is truth, and ultimately how to, to discern those things. The cave of allegory is this. What if someone was trapped in a cave for their entire life and there was a fire that backlit the cave? And yet... Uh, what would happen is uh, a bird would fly past the opening of the cave and it would put an image on the cave wall. It would put a shadow on the cave wall. And the question is, if someone lived in that cave for their entire life, would they begin to perceive that the shadows on the cave wall were actually the real things them? And you go, well, that's an interesting conversation. I don't know if it's relevant. And then you sit down in the cave of your living room and watch images on your cave wall. I don't know if you've noticed, most of you have your TVs on your walls. (laughs) This is more relevant than you realize, right? Because what happens is is we find ourselves in a predicament that we are constantly looking at images on the wall and we have no idea what to believe. Anybody ever been there? You look at the images on your phone, on your television, and you're asking the questions about the nature of truth. What is true? How do I know? And how do I decipher? Uh, Two weeks ago, Pastor Joe and Pastor Tyler told a story about a classical pianist who in the middle of his concert, after playing all of these different genres from Beethoven to Bach to the Beatles, uh, he played everything and, and astounded the crowd. He invited a young gentleman from the crowd to come on stage, and he said to the young gentleman, hey, you can play uh, whatever you want. I want you to sit down. I'm going to take a moment and stop the concert, and I'm going to let you play. And the young gentleman said, uh, you don't understand. I don't know how to play. He's like, listen, you, you have the opportunity. You can play whatever you want. I know everyone's here to see me, but I'm going to take this opportunity and let you play whatever you like. And the young man quickly again said, no, 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 uh, I, you don't understand. I don't know how to play. And he pushes a little more. He goes, that's exactly right. He says, although you may have the opportunity, you don't have the freedom. And what he presses is, is that as a young man, he had the discipline and devotion his entire life to sit down, to say no to many things in order to say yes to one thing. And yet he would devote himself to the piano, learning scales, learning these genres. Now, years later, having the freedom to play and express himself any way he wants. Because ultimately, the reality is is that discipline now creates freedom later. Devotion now. Being devoted to something. The question is, are you devoted to the truth so that you have the freedom to live in the truth? See, the Bible says that, and what Jesus says, is the truth will set you free. The question is, are you willing to be devoted, disciplined, disciple? I know, I know that's the dirty word of the church, discipline. Because what we want is convenience rather than commitment. But Paul says this, be a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed that you can rightly divide truth. What is the rightly dividing of truth? What I'm saying to you now what you're seeing on the cave wall, what you're perceiving on your 
the bottomless pit that is social media. The Bible predicted a bottomless pit. I just don't want to point that out. You have to decide what, what is true and will I contribute to lies? Will I go along to get along? Will I set the dial just ahead? Will I deceive myself? Or will I look for true north? Will I look for someone transcendent above outside of me that sets the clock, that helps me know what is true and what is a lie? And I will follow my Father who is in heaven and I will not contribute to the Father of lies. See, we have a responsibility. You as an individual have a responsibility. So we go, what's happened is, is we've, we would rather have convenience than be committed to the truth. That's happened in the church. We've become less and less devoted to our scriptures, to knowing what does God really say? What, what is this thing really about? So when people say, well, Jesus would do this. Well, friend, uh, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus is about love and, and Jesus is about people getting along. Really, he just called these people the devil. That should be funnier than it was. Jesus got along with everybody. Really? Jesus didn't ruffle feathers. Jesus didn't say things that hurt people's feelings. <laughs> Hurts my feelings all the time. <laughs> because the truth will convict. The truth will hurt. The truth will, will cause me to to have to question and divide some things in my life, it will cause you to have to break relationships with some people. How do I know? One of the ways that I can know the difference between truth and a lie is oftentimes the lie seems like it's good at first. Right? That's the nature of it. I want to, for the sake of relationship, for the sake of myself, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to lie to myself about what time it is. I'm going to deceive myself for the sake of what? Because if, what I have to realize is oftentimes the truth is very something that divides. The truth is something that will cause me to have conflict more than I want to. And how I deal with that and how, how I speak through that. Am I allowing Christ to be magnified even though I might have to say something difficult and I might have to disagree with you and I might have to put pressure and go, hey, I don't know that I'm buying that. And yet not just allow people, because here's what happens. People just lean into their credentials. Abraham, he says. He goes, well, wait a second. You're leaning into your credentials. You're saying Abraham is, is your father, but you're not doing what Abraham did, which was follow God faithfully in spite of what was popular, in spite of what it cost them. He goes, no, 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 no. You just constantly move towards comfort and convenience. 
and you lie to yourself and to others and you use your position in order to further your comfort and convenience. You've never seen anything like that. I know that. But that's what happens in all of us in places of authority when we lean into credentials and yet we find ourselves in a culture where See, we've been a society that has been food rich but nutrition poor. We have an abundance of food and a lack of nutrition. That's true. You should say amen to that. And you should watch how you eat. Amen? And yet now we're gluttons of data and starve for truth. We have so much information, with so much food, with no nutrition, we have, we have so much data, and we have no idea who to believe. You find yourself there? Can I tell you that people will lean into their credentials and their letters, whether it's the World Health Organization, whether it's the NIH, whether it's the, the CDC, the FDA, or maybe you lean into your credentials. Or maybe you say, well, well I, trust the, I trust doctors. Okay, well, which ones? I trust the experts. <laughs> Who are they? I, I trust the science. Okay, well, what do you mean by that? N- no one's had that conversation lately? So then... What do I do? Well, I have to decide when I do find something true, I stand on it. And then I look for truth. And then I speak the truth. Even if it's confrontational, even if it's difficult. But then I have to realize that whatever truth I think I've discovered, there's more to the story than I know. Remember that that was earlier in the sermon, right? There's more to the story, amen? So when I think I know what medicines, when I, what, whether I'm pro-vax or anti-vax, or whether I think this will work or that will work, know that there's more to the story, and I don't know everything. <laughs> I know that's really difficult uh, for all of us. Uh, I don't know everything. How about you? Amen. So we have to be diligent in our pursuit. We have to be careful. We have to understand that Jesus is Lord and we follow him and we look for truth and lies we will not build our house on. Amen. So we got to have open, honest conversations. We got to realize that that what happens is, is we put people in jeopardy when we won't have tough conversations or we won't listen to someone, when we think we know someone better than we do. I mean, this has been the the topic for me for the past couple weeks. As many of you know, I upgraded from COVID-18 to COVID-19 and uh, it's pretty sick for a couple weeks. (laughs) And even even the response of, of that. And there's so many people dealing with that. And then so many people afraid to say 
that they're sick. What a concept. And yet, we don't know what medicines to take, what doctors to trust. We condemn one for the other, and yet we don't listen. And yet, we think we know and we're quick to point fingers. And yet, we find ourselves in situations where humility has to be at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus and faithfully and fearfully of the one who is truth. And when we discover it, then we stand on it and we don't propagate and we don't help contribute to lies. We just faithfully and lovingly speak the truth that people may grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is. Amen. Here's an example. <clears throat> and it, as controversial as it may be, th this is one of those ones. That, and listen, I have no problem with masks. Man, if you're both services, uh, when I go in someplace that, that they require it, uh, I'll, I'll put a mask on. If they walk up to me, hand me a mask. Like, we're, 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 we're fighting all the wrong battles. But here's one that I think has to be careful, and here's an example of what I mean by truth. Is, uh, I'm thankful that uh, after two weeks I got over this, this sickness, although I'm an asthmatic and it was very difficult for me and I'm still trying to get my wind back. But my wife kicked this thing in a day, right? And my kids just right through them, right? No big deal for my kids at all, right? And we've known that for a year and a half, amen, right? Kids are not at the same risk. They're not in the same deal, yet we close schools for an entire year. And then, then we're telling children that they need to wear a mask at young ages, two and three years old. One of the things we quickly, I, I said, hey, I don't want to teach my children to be afraid. How about you? Right? This isn't a mask conversation. It's about fear and understanding the science and understanding who's at risk and who's not. And being able to make decisions at different places, with different ages, with different men. If you're, if you're sick, if you're vulnerable, quarantine and be, you didn't see me for two weeks, right? <laughs> right? Doing what I was supposed to do. But yet, I don't think that we should have the healthy lockdown. I don't think that we should stop kids from going to school. I don't think that they should be wearing masks in school at young age because they're not at risk. Amen. That's just true. So when we find something that we can go, hey, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to contribute to that. I'm not going to bear false witness. Okay, well, then do that. But then pick your battles and watch what you do know and be careful of what you don't know when you start pointing your finger at other things because you think you're right in one area, then it gives you a license to tell everybody what to do in all the other. That doesn't work in your marriage, bro. It's not gonna work anywhere else. Amen? Amen. So, <clears throat> I'll close with this. We have to be people of truth. We have to be willing to have conversations. We can't shut down things because we don't like how it sounds. We can't shut it down and not have a conversation. Jesus constantly in the open dialogue would have conversations even if it put him at odds with people. 
Even if he had to say, listen, no, I'm not going to follow that. That's a lie. That's of the enemy. I'm going to stand on truth. So be careful, be watched, but be diligent that you study the word of God and that you allow that to be the cornerstone by which you stand on. And what you quote first isn't a three-letter organization, but it's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And his words are on your lips first and foremost. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to love God and hear his words. Somebody say amen to that. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. I thank you for so many people who are dealing with this sickness. I thank you that you've helped people get well. People even now that are struggling, I pray that you would heal their bodies. But I pray that as we pray and as we seek you for their healing, we would not be afraid. We would not cower. We would not propagate things that aren't true. That we wouldn't force our children into lies. That we would help them navigate. We would help them understand at times we'll be submissive. At times we'll submit to what's there. And at times we'll be confrontational. We'll speak the truth in love. But Jesus, let us be people who are humble. Who realize that our sense of truth is not the corner market it's you and you lead us and you guide us and we'll trust your words all lies are of the devil so when we come across a lie let us speak the truth let us confront it let us not contribute to it even if it's confrontational even if it means conflict and not convenience and comfort let us not be afraid but let us stand in truth Because as we stand in truth, people are going to look for truth and they're going to find Jesus because you are the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that we would be gracious and slow to anger as you are, abounding in love, rich in mercy, as we don't know the whole story. So let us live the story that you've called us to live the story you're writing with your words, with your truth, for your glory and our good. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Will you give Jesus one more hand clap of praise?